Well, I don't know about you, but last Sunday's message is still blessing my heart that we are walking in the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. If you miss that message, again, it's not because of me, but because of the Spirit of the Lord and His, and His message in that message. Go online and get that. Listen to that. It's going to so challenge and encourage. And, and uh, you know, the Scripture tells us we have to come boldly into the throne of grace to find help in our time of need. Now, if you don't understand and accept that the authority of Jesus is upon your life, you're not going to go boldly into the throne of grace. You're going to kind of like, oh God, could you please maybe, if it's not a bother. could And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people, a lot of believers, a lot of folks in the body of Christ approached the presence of God that way. Almost from a place of fear and uncertainty. Scripture says we can come boldly. And you know how it, that is true? Because we come covered by the righteousness of Jesus. We come covered in the blood of Jesus. And we approach the throne of God, His presence, in boldness. Not in shyness and timidity and uncertainty, but in boldness. And folks, I'll tell you something. This thing about taking authority over sin, we've got to be serious about it. And I've been doing it more than ever before. Everybody and anybody you know that you love, that you're praying for, that is bound by sin, take authority over the sin in the authority of Jesus Christ. Present them boldly to the presence of God and to the throne of heaven as you pray differently for them now, binding and loosing as Jesus told us to pray and taking authority over sin, not over the sinner, not over the person, but over the sin. So I don't know, I'm just stirred again today. Get that message, let the Holy Spirit work that word in your heart and it will change and I believe you'll begin to see awakenings, you'll begin to see prodigals, those out sowing you know, their, their wild, rebellious sinful ways and just living unto themselves are going to begin to come to themselves because you are binding and loosing the power of sin off of them. Hallelujah. And that just, just segues, that just leads us into today's message. And I'm going to give you the title right here. The title of today's message is this, Sinner or Saint, Which Are You? Oh, I left out one. Which one... <laughs> Are you? We're going to start reading in Romans chapter 6, verse 20. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, Pastor, I, I've always understood that when it comes to sin and sinning, Everybody sins a little every day. Even Christians. Nobody's perfect. Thank God for grace. There's no such thing as a sinless person. No such thing as a sinless life. 
Well, I'm here to tell you today that none of those little sayings, as comforting as they may be, are true. No matter how many years they've been repeated or how many years you've believed them. Today is the day that we stop believing that because this is what is true. 1 John 3, starting in verse 5. But you know that He appeared so that He might take away our sins. And look at this. And in Him is no sin. If Christ is in me, and in Christ who is in me is no sin, then there is no sin in me. I don't have to sin a little every day. Hello? That is simply not true. Yes, by the power of the Spirit, you and I who are in faith, who have come into grace, who have come into the righteousness of Jesus Christ, can live sinless lives. Don't shout about that. It is the truth. Let's keep reading in 1 John 3, verse 6. No one who lives in Him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen Him or known Him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. And right meaning the righteousness, the goodness of the Father. It's divine, it's holy rightness Not right and wrong in our own eyes. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared, now being repeated again by John, was to destroy the works of the devil. Appeared past tense. He came past tense to destroy the works of the devil. He appeared, meaning it's already been done. No one who is born of God, in verse 9, will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. And to that I say period, punto, and end of story. Can it be any clearer? Let this truth set you free today. If you have lived your life believing, well, nobody's perfect. Everybody sins a little every day. Again, I'm so thankful for grace. It covers all that. No. When we come into Christ, in Him is no sin. He's now in me. And if He's in me and there's no sin in Him, that means there's no sin in me anymore. I don't continue to keep on sinning. For sin shall not... Romans 6.14, in a little King James moment right here. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. And again, that could be stated this way, for ye shall have dominion over sin. Right? If sin can't have dominion over me, then it it can only also be true that I then must have dominion over sin because we're not under the law but under grace. Dominion just simply means to have lordship over, to exercise lordship over is what dominion means. And the key to living this sinless life is a question of lordship, not saviorship. There are a whole lot of folks that want Jesus to save them from their sins, but they don't intend to make him lord 
of their life. They don't intend to let him have control. Because Lord just means one who is in control, one who rules over. And according to the scripture, Jesus has to be our Lord. He has to rule over our lives, every aspect of our lives. So is the Jesus who saved you from your sins also your Lord? Have you truly made him Lord in your heart? Does he truly rule over every detail of your life? Is the one who saved you from your sins now your Lord? Does he rule your heart, your decisions, your thoughts, your words? Don't be too quick to answer that. You see, when he has lordship, absolute rule over me, then I, he gives me that lordship, that absolute rule or dominion over sin and everything else that is of the world. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and on and on the list goes. So I'm asking, is your Savior also your Lord? There are a whole lot of people in the church claiming Jesus as Savior, but they have not allowed him to be Lord. And if he's not Lord of everything, he's not Lord of anything. Is he Lord over your thoughts? Is he Lord over your words? Is he Lord over your relationships? Is he Lord over your worship? Is he Lord over your emotions? Is he Lord over your family? Is he Lord over your career or your business? Is he Lord over your money? You see, with this, it's an all-in proposition with God. Either God is all in, or he's not in at all. I said, he's either all in with your life, or he's not in at all. Jesus talked very candidly, very forwardly, if you will, about this. In Luke chapter 6, verse, starting with verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Hmm. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes also in showing and in doing what he's told us to do. Faith without works, without doing, without action is absolutely dead and useless. They are like a man. Those of us, let's, let me read that again starting in verse 47. Luke 6, 47. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came and the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears, hears my words and does not Put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the storm, the wind, the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Now he started all this by, oh, what? So, so let me tell you about those that say, Lord, Lord, whether they mean it or not. He said, if you mean it, you do what I say, you practice what I have told you and taught you, you're going to be like a house built on a solid, firm foundation who is Jesus, the rock. And when the storms and the pandemics and the viruses and the reports and the elections and all the other stuff come and go, you're left standing firm. But if not, those things start blowing and your foundation collapses 
and your house falls down. I want to go back to this thing of how you consider yourself, how you view yourself before God. The title again was Sinner or Saint, Which One Are You? How many of you have heard this saying? I've heard it all of my life. And it sounds so humble to say it. It sounds so humble to say it. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. It's humble. It sounds humble. But it's ignorant to believe that. Because it's just not true. Because after sinners are saved by grace, God calls them saints. Saints. Now, is a sinner saved by grace inclined to come boldly into the throne of grace? No, but a saint is inclined to come boldly into the throne of grace to find help in their time of need. The devil wants nothing more than to keep the child of God focused on the lie that somehow all you are is still just a sinner saved by grace. The root of that, the subject of that is sinner. The focus for the devil is you're just still just a sinner. Oh, saved by grace. No, but you're a sinner. When sinners get saved by grace, I'm here to tell you today, they're no longer sinners. On the contrary, according to God's word, they become saints. That means I'm a saint, you're a saint, you're a saint, you're a saint if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. When Jesus becomes your Lord, you become a saint in God's eyes. Pastor, I'm supposed to consider myself a saint? Yes, you are. But not by the Roman Catholic definition. By the definition of God himself. And his revealed word. Saint means this. As, as we're called. As the Bible calls us saints. It means consecrated, blameless, and holy. You see why the devil wants to keep you viewing yourself. Keep you a sinner in your own eyes. Again, a sinner's not going to believe they can take authority. Over the sin in someone else. Why? How? Who am I? I'm just a sinner saved by grace myself. No, I, I'm far from perfect. There, I, I, I'm, I'm certainly not a, a, a sinless one. You're living beneath the standard of the cross. If you view yourself any further as, as one who can never live a sinless life. As one who can never be viewed as a saint and have the authority and power of Jesus flowing through your lives. And folks, we are in a war. We're in a war for the hearts and minds and souls of men and women of every generation across this land. And we, the people of God, have to shake off the lie that we're nothing more than a sinner saved by grace. You are a saint, a consecrated one, a holy one, a blameless one if Jesus is Lord of your life. And you've got to start coming bold 
boldly as a saint into the throne of God and binding and loosing sin and addiction and lies and, and brokenness and depression and disease off of people's lives and believe that God is going to take notice of you because he, he is the one who calls you a saint before Him. But if the devil can, never, can, can, can convince you to never view yourself that way, You'll continue to live beneath the standard of the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that Jesus came and died to provide for us and to cover us with. I mean, Scripture is clear. I'm just going to give you a couple of verses. Psalm 89 verse 5 says, And the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord, thy faithfulness also in the congregation of the saints. <laughs> That's us. Paul always addressed the congregations of the churches he wrote to as the saints. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. In Romans 8.27, it tells us that he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Revelation 14, 12 tells us that saints are all those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Folks, God clearly tells us that whoever has made Jesus their Savior and Lord, we are saints in His eyes. I want you to leave here today considering yourself a saint. If you know Jesus and you've made Him Lord of your life, because he considers you a saint, blameless, consecrated, and holy before him. And you'll begin to change. Because let me tell you something. Well, well uh, sinners will, sinner, just a sinner saved by grace, is never going to believe they can live a sinless life. A sinner saved by grace is never going to hold the, the standard of living without sin in front of them. But when you begin to understand, I'm a saint of the Most High God, it puts a higher standard even on your own behavior, on your own attitude and habits, uh, 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 on your words and even your thoughts. After all, a saint doesn't think like that. A saint of God doesn't act like that. A saint of God doesn't watch that. A saint of God doesn't drink that. A saint of God doesn't smoke that either. That's what sinners do. Saints don't sin a little every day either. A saint forgives when wronged, no matter who wrongs you. A saint is faithful, keeping his vows before God. A saint welcomes the lordship of Jesus. You see, your view of yourself changes when you accept that you are a saint in God's eyes. A saint understands the authority he has in Christ. A saint has made Jesus Lord. He has rule over their life. A saint carries out his Lord's bidding in the earth. A saint has dominion over sin. A saint understands the power she has in Christ. A saint does not keep on sinning after receiving his grace because that's what sinners do. I'm here to declare to you today with absolute confidence and without a shred of any hindrance or reservation, there are only two kinds of people in the earth today. There are sinners and there are saints. Hallelujah. Which one are you is the question. 
Now, I told you last week the problem in the earth today is not sin, but sinners. The problem are people choosing sin. The wages of sin is death. We just read it. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans 6.23. Folks, there's a lot of debate in our country right now considering, concerning, I should say, the rule of law and applied justice. As it would seem that lady justice in America no longer has a blindfold on. I've often heard the phrase, there is no justice anymore in the world. It certainly doesn't seem that way. But I've been reminded on many occasions that our lives are in the hands of the only true and just judge. That true justice comes only from God. And he will have the final judgment over each and every person who has ever lived. Judge is one of the names of God. One of his names is that of judge in Scripture. If we ever need to be reminded of this attribute of God, it is now in, this most, in these most unjust of times. Understanding more about God as the judge of the living and the dead, as Scriptures say, should not cause fear for us, the saints of God, because His justice is pure and it is holy. And folks, every life is going to have a final um, reckoning day. Every life. I say often, nobody is getting away with anything. Nobody's getting away with anything. Romans 2, starting in verse 6 God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, those are the saints, He will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking, who reject the truth and follow evil, sinners, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first the Jew and then the Gentile. But glory, honor, peace for everyone who does good, first the Jew and then the Gentile. And then verse 11, for God does not show favoritism. Folks, there is no pure justice in America or any nation of the world. Hasn't been in a long time. Because I don't care who you are, if, if the human touch is on it, there is some favoritism on it. Hello? That's just the truth of it. But when God's hand is on it, when His hand is in justice, it is pure, it is holy, there is no favoritism. And as we continue to watch injustice unfold all around us, even from the highest courts in our land... Let us be comforted in knowing that God will repay every person according to what they've done in this life. Every injustice will be corrected by God himself one day. And let us be patient to wait for the pure and holy justice of God. Galatians 6 verse 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, 
from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up, because God is just. God is just. Your labor of love, your labor of faithfulness to God is never in vain. No, never in vain. Verse 10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Let's do good to all people. The good, the bad, the ugly, the sinner and the saint alike. And especially, we do good to the members of the household of faith, to the family of believers. You know, let me just say this right here. Concerning the souls of the lost, the souls of sinners that have not come under the blood of Jesus and into the saving grace of the cross, everyone who is presented with the gospel will not receive it. Now that's a sad reality, but we need to understand that. Some of you know that firsthand. You've had people reject Jesus to your face. Everybody will not accept Jesus. Everyone will not confess Him as Savior and Lord. Many will reject Him and enter eternity without Him, which is eternal separation from God in the place called hell, which burns with fire. See, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and spacious and broad is the way that leads away to destruction. And look what he says. Jesus is speaking here. And many are those who are entering through it. Many. But the gate is narrow, contracted by pressure, and the way is straightened and compressed that leads away to life. And few are those who find it. And that's heavy if you really let that sink in. Wide, broad is the gate that the majority are walking through, Jesus says, narrow. Folks, even if you feel like you've got to turn sideways and suck it in, go in through that narrow gate. Even if, if you're pressed on every side, stay on that narrow path. Because that narrow path leads us away into life eternal. Where when we see Him, His rewards, the rewards are going to be in His hands to give to every one of us based on our faithfulness and our faithful service to Him as well as to those who were not. So it is a sad reality that some will die in their sins and go to hell. They will not accept the truth, the power, the hope of Jesus. But what do we do with that reality? Do we start trying to determine... We better not. Do we start trying to decide? Oh, I, now I know so-and-so, they've passed a point of no return. No, no, no. 
That's in the heart of mind of God and God alone. We love everybody the same. We do good to everybody the same. We bless everybody the same. We give testimony of His grace at every opportunity. We invite everyone to connect with Jesus because some will believe and be saved from their sins and make Jesus their Lord. And never, never, never forget, and you've heard me say it, if you've been here for any length of time, the love of God alone does not save anybody. It's not, it's not all and only about love. Because His love doesn't save anyone. There are people in hell today that God loved. But they rejected Jesus. His love doesn't wash away sins. Only one thing can wash away sins. The blood of Jesus, the blood of the spotless Lamb of God. Only the blood of Jesus can cleanse sins away. So hell will be filled with people that God loved. So now when ministering to the sinner, when ministering to the one who is not following Jesus, oh, let's come back now and change our methods. Let's take authority over the sin that is blinding them. Let's go through the binding and loosing kind of prayer that Jesus gave us that I talked about last Sunday. And begin to do that. And then at some point, yes, you speak to them. At some point, yes, you talk to them. You know what is missing in much of the American gospel presentation today? What, what is missing in most of the gospel being presented in America today is the aspect of warning. In, in Acts chapter 24, Paul is under house arrest. And he's been brought to stand before Felix, the governor of Caesarea, Paul shares his testimony of Jesus, which is described this way in Acts chapter 24, verse 25. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Look what his gospel presentation and his testimony included. Righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Felix, the governor, was afraid... Well, pastor, I don't, are you suggesting we ought to scare people into heaven? Absolutely! Scare them out of hell and into the straight and narrow gate that leads to eternal life. Because, my friend, there's a judgment that is to come. And there was a strong element of warning people to turn from their sins in the early preaching of the early church and even in the ministry of, of, of Paul. And he included that warning and Felix, the governor, was like, wait, stop, You have leave my presence. <laughs> when I get to feeling a little better, I'll, come, I'll ask for you to come again and continue. That's basically what he said to him. Folks, understand something today. I have nothing to lose to warn a sinner to turn away from sin, but they have everything to lose if I don't, including their own soul. Again, the wages, the final payday for sin is death. Spiritual, spiritual, physical, and eternal death. Forever separated from the presence of God in the torment of hell. I mean, that's a warning all by itself. That carries a great warning in that verse. 
Church, we have the vaccine for the virus called sin. And we need to be freely administering it to all we possibly can before it is too late. So if you're in this thing called faith and you're in this walk um, to win friends and influence people and be liked and loved by everyone and be on every in-group and popular group and friend group and whatever group, you're not going to please the Lord. Your testimony is not going to be complete because the true presentation, the complete presentation of the gospel includes warning people of judgment that is to come if they do not turn to Jesus. Do we understand that? Looking around us, signs all around us, the sun, the moon, and the stars, and the islands of the seas. I mean, uh, volcano eruptions in the islands of the seas, and they haven't erupted in 40 or 50 years. The islands are being shaken, earthquakes in strange places, very strange places. The earth is, being, is groaning and moaning because the end is near. The return of Christ is at hand. Why would the Bible tell us, seek God while He may be found? Call on Him while He is near. Because there's a day coming where He will not be found and He will no longer be near anymore. You might risk losing a relationship in this life, but you might gain a relationship for all eternity. Well, I'm just trying to love them, Pastor. <laughs> if you really love them, you'll warn them about the wages of sin, the judgment to come. You see, God is serious. He's very serious when it comes to the souls of men. He gave up His most precious Son so that sin could be destroyed, defeated. So in from this day forward, if we haven't already, let's no longer tolerate sin, not in our own lives, nor in the lives of those we love. We're saints. We're no longer, don't, don't ever view yourself as a sinner saved by, don't ever believe that you, can not, that you cannot live a sinless life. We're called to that. We're called to that. The payoff, the end, is coming we are Christ's ambassadors, aren't we? Isn't that what we're called in Scripture? His ambassadors, His representatives in the earth. We truly are the only Jesus most people will ever see. We must share the hope that is within us. We must include in our testimony that there is a judgment to come. We warn them of the consequences of rejecting Jesus. We throw them a lifeline. We show them the path to sainthood, true sainthood, the path to living a life free from sin, a sinless life, a consecrated life, a blameless life, and a holy life according to God's word. So sinner or saint, which one are you? Would you bow your heads? Father, thank you for everybody connected to this service. Thank you for the promise of your word and the power of your word. Lord, let God be true and let every man be a liar. And Lord, we, it is time for the body of Christ to view ourselves as the saints of the Most High God. 
Your word says that when we come into your presence, we lift up sinners' hands, we lift up sinful hands, we lift up stained, no, we lift up holy hands unto the Lord our God and worship Him. Because the saints of the Lord are consecrated, blameless, righteous, and holy before the Father in heaven. So we'll come boldly into your throne room of grace. Because we are not any longer going to believe, well, everybody sins a little every day. I'm thankful for grace. I'm thank- yeah, I'm thankful for the blood because I have the, I, I, the blood works overtime in my life. Let me tell you something. You live under the blood of Jesus. You live clean, a life that is cleansed and washed from sin. And if you are sinning a little every day, we just read it. God says, Jesus says, you don't even know me. You cannot even know me. And continue to sin. Sin is not to have dominion. To rule over your life in any way. There is no more sin. In him is no sin. And he's in me. That means there's no sin in me. And I do not sin a little every day. Because after all nobody's perfect. Yeah in God in Christ. And by the power of the spirit. We live a perfect which means a complete and a whole life before God. If you're in this room or online, either way you're connected to this, we do want to minister to you further. We cannot bring you down close and get close and we lay hands and all of that. We can't do any of that right now, but we do want you to know we can still minister to you further. If you'll text the word LIFE to the number you see on the screen, I will reach out to you. Again, that's going to come to me, not to, a, not to the staff of this church. It'll come to me. And I'll receive that and I'll be able to respond to you. Text the word LIFE to 561-232-3992 whether you're in the room or you're worshiping connected online. And we will reach out to you and continue to offer ministry to you. Because you need to understand that once you come into grace, once you come into the washing of the blood of Jesus and your sins are washed away, you come under the righteousness of Jesus, you become a saint of the Most High God in His sight. And you know what? In your sight. Because it will change. Again, it'll change. Your standard of living will change for yourself. When you understand, again, I'm a saint of the Most High God. They don't, saints don't act that way. Saints don't believe that silliness. Saints don't speak like that. Saints don't think your whole standard of your own life and how you walk out your faith goes to a much higher level. When you understand God calls you a saint. So Father, I bless the saints. I ask for the Holy Spirit to move upon the hearts of sinners. If there are sinners watching, well that's not a bad thing. We all came to you as sinners. If there's a sinner watching, Holy Spirit in this moment, touch their heart, reveal Jesus to them. Let, let, the, let your love open their heart to receive salvation through the blood of Jesus. We pray that happens. Lord, I pray that not one who is washed and filled and knows you will ever view themselves as just a mere sinner saved by grace again. We are the saints of the Most High God with the authority and power of Jesus flowing through us. We take dominion over sin, addiction, disease, infirmity, deception, lies, backslidings. We take authority over that and we bind and loose it from the lives of those we love. And we're going to see your salvation released 
like never before. Because again, Lord, we can't anymore say, what are you going to do about sin? You're saying to us, what are you going to do about sin? I've already done all I'm going to do through my son, Jesus. He came and destroyed sin. Now, what are you going to do? We are the enforcers of the, of the death of sin, if you will. Lord, give us the faith to understand that. And as saints, we come boldly before you, declaring, binding, and loosing in your authority and power. Because the kingdom of God, is this is a war that we're in. And Lord, every one of us will reap according to what we've sown. Because you are a just God and you are the great judge of all. And Lord, that's a comfort to some and that's a terror to others until they come under the blood of Jesus. So Lord, I thank you for your justice. Lord, I thank you for patience to wait. Because we may not see that justice until the final day. You don't always reveal that justice. Lord, so much of the justice that we are exposed to in our own legal system is really not justice more than it is a type of vengeance being handed down. And Lord, that's dangerous. Because you said you were the only one that will take vengeance. That belongs to you and you alone. So God, have mercy on us. Help us to walk in your word. Help us to walk in true sainthood that, you've, that you came, Jesus, to, to provide for us through your sacrifice. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, saints of God. Leave out of here as saints of the Lord Most High.